There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. Hello and welcome back to Scream 101 Podcast. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. <laughs> Sergio, back, for Sergio. those of you who don't speak Spanish. This is our Halloween bonus episode. Boom, boom, boom. Um, yesterday or this morning, uh, depending on when I post it, hopefully you heard the end of our first film's month, which was very exciting. Thank you all, everyone who contributed their uh, vocal samples, inclu- especially Gertie. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, I love that girl. What's she up to? Uh, I don't know. Doing I think great things in Germany. I yeah, bet. she's making sausage and stuff. As long-term fans may recall, last year, well, uh, on October 30th, I believe, Shannon and I reviewed the original Halloween, John Carpenter's 1978 masterwork, so to speak. Yeah, the movie that started a generation. Yeah, and uh, this year it we're started going... Started it. Uh-huh. You're not going to correct me on that? I don't care. I don't know. It's so late. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. I'm going to stop. This year, we're continuing that marathon. We're going to be discussing Halloween 2. Yes, we are. More of the night he came home. Ooh. But the thing is, Sergio actually hadn't seen Halloween before we decided to review this. I have not. I made him watch the original Halloween so we could prep for this because obviously he wasn't here last year when we were doing that. Nope. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on the original Halloween just really quick. Like, what did you think of it? It was so long ago. It was like what? Like a week ago? Like a week? It was not a week ago. Probably more than a week ago. Okay. But just quick, Um, like one sentence. Like, because we reviewed it last year. We don't need a full thing about it. Uh... I really liked the relationship between Lori and her dumb friends. I think that's it. That's all I can say. I like okay. the relationship. Were you scared at all? Shannon was scared. That's was her favorite scared? horror movie. Uh, I don't think I was ever really frightened. Not even when he was... Go- uh, I don't think so. Okay. It's definitely a more stately movie. It's a. Were you scared? I've seen it in the theater a couple of times, and it can get a little spooky at certain of the jump scares, mm-hmm. especially um, when that uh, gutter thing smashes through the window and Dr. Loomis is staring out of it. Um, anyway, also, so my whole week has been all about Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember being scared, but I thought it was a good story. Can okay. I say that? Like, I was intrigued about what was going on, and like, I, I was like, I was entertained for the hour. And you were engrossed minutes. in yeah. it. Cool, that's great. Technically, Halloween Two is also a first film. It's Rick Rosenthal's first film, so it fits. Yes. It fits with our month theme. Yes, it does. Also, this week has been all about Halloween. If you haven't seen on our Facebook or Twitter or whatever, I was featured on an episode of my friend Justin's podcast, Geek KO, which is a geek trivia podcast, and I hosted around all about the Halloween franchise. I'm so tired of talking about Halloween. But, but it's over because it's the end of October, mm-hmm. and that rhymes because I'm Busta bit. Rhymes. And Halloween H2O, full circle, no, people. Halloween Resurrection, but yeah. I was so close to being. I'm so great. Okay, we're about to start our discussion of Halloween 2, but we have a very special Halloween gift for you. We are bringing on a special guest to talk about Halloween 2. His name is Patrick Hamilton. If you don't know him, you soon will very well. He is the host of a podcast that I really enjoy called Kill by Kill. And you know what? I'm going to let him tell you about that when we talk to him. In one second. Welcome back. We're very excited to welcome onto the show a very special guest for our Halloween slash Halloween 2 episode, uh, Patrick Hamilton of the Kill by Kill podcast. Welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Um, Actually, before we get started talking about Halloween 2, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about your show in case anyone listening doesn't listen, which it would be crazy because they need (laughs) to listen to your show. Uh, It's not a requirement, but I'd enjoy it if they check it out. Sure. Okay, um, it's called Kill by Kill. Would you want to describe, like, do you have a log line that you tell people at parties what your show is about? Uh, yes, typically what I tell people is that we celebrate the least discussed component of any horror film, and that is the characters. <laughs> so we we unpack all the gory details of every hack, slash, and decapitation, and right now we're going through the Friday the 13th series. So with every camp counselor's death, that is their end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them. <laughs> 
I know you're in the middle of Friday the 13th Part 3 right now, so you've yes. got a while to go. But mm-hmm. do you know what franchise you're going to move on to after that? Well, our main goal is to make it through Friday the 13th. Yeah, that's a big, as, that's a big one. And to survive that experience. I would say, as a natural extension, the things that make Friday the 13th unique in that they made one every year, so you get a little bit of slice of time... There's creative deaths. I would say probably the Nightmare series would where, where we would go next. And there's a lot of places we could go. I have maybe seen a saw and a half. That That's a, as it should be, probably. And probably, but it is worthy of examination to see how they delineate characters in that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Final Destination. I would say the one big franchise that I would probably least like to explore would be halloween (laughs) that's actually that's a good point this is this is our second year of the podcast Mm -hmm. which like every halloween we're doing a halloween episode and i'm very nervous as it gets further down the line because we're doing well right now with halloween too but the later sequels are they're gonna be something it's gonna be fun for you okay yeah they get they okay (laughs) they get uh sleazier uh, and they get more frenetic. It's not that they aren't interesting, but there's a certain... They're not fun. There's no fun no, to be had. No, there's not. That's the Rob Zombie effect, right? I just want to throw movie knowledge that he did something with the series, <laughs> well, right? I mean, he definitely made it sleazier, but they were going down that road already. I, I will say that Rob Zombie has a definite aesthetic and that those films fit that aesthetic. Whether or not you care for them or not is one thing, but like four, five, and six, and Resurrection and H two O are the definition of a retread where they're not quite their own thing. They're just trying to replicate something, mm-hmm. but they're also trying to jam as much Friday the Thirteenth or as much Nightmare on Elm Street type mythology. They're they're just trying to draw whatever they can from what any other source, but without absorbing any of that other films funner elements mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas friday the 13th can become a comedy in part six and it can become carrie in part seven and it still brings along the fun parts of that along the way at least in my opinion i don't think they're for everyone and i don't know that star trek really comes out well <laughs> or alien comes out well and jason x but at least it's entertaining yeah that, that's why i like out of the big three, like Nightmare and Friday and Halloween, Friday's my favorite, even though Nightmare is probably the best, like quality wise, just because there's so much elasticity. And like you said, one came out pretty much every year of the mm-hmm. 80s, and there's such a weird progression of how the, the fashions change and how the ideals and the morals change. And it's really interesting to watch. Yeah. You can really tell what some guy in an office. Uh, and Beverly Hills adjacent thought was really cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is what kids like now. Like, they like comic books and video games. So I'm going to make a character who's only defined by that. Yeah. And that's just so odd and so weird. And how an actor lives in that and how a director realizes that, that's really the fun. And that's what I, I wanted to do with my podcast was take a micro view of... Uh, horror as opposed to and there are a lot of great ones taking a macro view yeah here's a whole film here's a whole genre here's a series and I'll tell you which are the best amongst them I wanted to just unpack very minute details without going minute by minute which I don't think Friday can really withstand and that's something I really love about your podcast actually is that I've seen especially Friday the 13th I've seen those movies hundreds of times (laughs) And you guys, you and Gina Radcliffe, who's your uh, co-host, mm-hmm. you point out really specific details that I have never noticed in the like in the backgrounds of scenes. Or you just you really actually analyze them and dissect them really well in uh, detail. Well, thank you, uh, and hopefully it's entertaining. I'd like to think it is. At least it's entertaining to us. <laughs> so hopefully people enjoy the ride. But that's the beauty of it is that these things were never, especially at the time that uh, Friday was. Uh, initially made was not built to withstand repeat constant viewing <laughs> no they were on not. a 1080 i <laughs> you know and a 4k image where you're seeing everything this was not meant to hold up to that <laughs> and the anachronistic 
elements of it and the mistakes are just sort of beautiful and in the end it's a very com it's as i i can't remember the uh writer's name but uh from the guardian who sort of coined friday the 13th cozy horror because <laughs> you know exactly what's going to happen every single time it's just shifting the elements and uh transmuting the characters and uh adapting the tropes every single time but you know the beats so you can just kind of sit back when they replay on amc every year and you're like i'm not gonna turn the channel i'm comfortable watching this that's a that's a that's a good point that's really interesting it is really good like i feel like i'm at master class right now it's like aaron sorkin telling me about his storytelling methods <laughs> oh, or what Lord. he observes in the narrative <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Anyway. i don't have nearly the cocaine habit to make that fly <laughs> nor nor do i have the record of oscar winning screenplays but i'll take it as a compliment sure i meant it as one i'm sorry <laughs> like i don't know that much about aaron so if he's done some stuff i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay we we should start talking about halloween too but i have one question i ask every sure. guest that comes on our show mm -hmm. what's your favorite scary movie that generally changes over time but i will say the today one, what's your favorite today, scary movie? my favorite horror movie or scary movie has to be alien i i would say that that is the thing that i am drawn back to mm. most often i think it's very very effective and it plays on the elements that brought me into horror to begin with of, of uh universal classic monsters old scary houses creepy unsettling body horror if you go into it blind you don't know where it's going to go and of course now you can't do that you can't do that with halloween you can't do that with friday the 13th they live too much in our basic core uh, social creative DNA. We all know, just, just kind of get it. Jason Voorhees wears a mask. Yeah, the, but the his chest mom was a killer scene. in the first one because I heard someone who knows, who saw Scream, whose older sister made me watch it. And Alien is just super unsettling. It's very close up, it's very precise. And it's unnerving as hell. Um, and I I adore it. I totally agree. Interesting story. Mm -hmm. um, one of my greatest shames. Um, <laughs> I, I write for the website Arrow in the Head. Mm -hmm. And we're doing this uh, thing for Halloween called Unseen Halloween, where each of us uh, reviews a movie that we've never seen before. Sure. That's kind of like part of the pantheon. Mm -hmm. One of my uh, coworkers did Bride of Frankenstein because he just never got around to it. The one I just did was Alien. <laughs> I just watched it last week for the first time ever. It felt so intimately familiar to me, which is why I hadn't watched it, because I was like, I feel like I already have. Mm -hmm. Because I know like every beat. I know how the Xenomorph has acid blood. I know all this stuff. I've seen Aliens. I kind of know how it works. Right. But watching it for the first time, that experience was still so kind of immutable and raw. Like I didn't realize how grindhouse -y the movie was it's like a really harsh horror film because it has this reputation for class and elegance and beauty which it has but it's also really low down and dirty and that's a really interesting yeah it's a wonderful combination of that and in a way i came to alien even though i'm of the age where i was not old enough to see it in a the movie theater so really my introduction to alien was like reading the spoof of it in Mad Magazine. <laughs> so I knew all the elements of it because they take great pains in those spoofs to give you beat by beat description so that you can still follow the plot to know the jokes. And you're like, okay, I know like a crazy beast jumps out of a chest. So, okay, now I can get this. Oh, isn't it? This is super gross joke. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, everyone sort of has that whole in their pop culture background i it's okay because how <laughs> can you. anyone catch but how can anyone catch everything we're at the point where it feels the the field of knowledge on any given subject is very vast and incredibly shallow because you can reach back and find that information very quickly whereas at a certain point when i was growing up to know more about slasher movies i had to go to the store find fangoria magazine learn who that guy was who made that rubber mask mm -hmm. and that required time and effort and you sort of had to really reach out and find something that was difficult whereas now you can 
you can grab it very quickly and then go, okay, I know that, and put it away and find something else. So as a result, like things sort of get missed. Whereas when I got missed, when I missed them is because of availability. I couldn't go to a video store and get anything and not everything was available where I was. If I, yeah. I worked at a blockbuster video, I watched every horror movie that was at blockbuster video, but there was plenty that they didn't carry. So I missed them completely. And so I'm like, Blood Rage? I don't know what Blood yeah. Rage is. So when it came out, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch The Mutilator. They didn't carry it here in Southern California. So I just went past. I, I don't think there's any shame in seeking knowledge yeah, or admitting not. like, oh, I, didn't, I didn't catch it. That That's kind of what we're doing with this show too. Because last season, it was, I had a, I had a different co-host, I'm sorry. What? Okay. Um, but it was, sorry, what? No, it was, it was fine. Clearly, she didn't do well if, you know, she's not here, so. No, she, she moved to Seattle to help children and stuff. But oh, um, the worst. I know. But that season was me, because she's a very, she's a, she was definitely a horror novice, so it was mm-hmm. me showing her movies that I loved and getting her reaction to it. But this season, it's more about us seeking out movies that we haven't seen before, specifically and mm-hmm. just kind of expanding. There's so much to learn. It's impossible for anyone to have seen everything. True. So I, now that brings us to Halloween 2. Had either of you seen the 1981 version of Halloween 2 before this? Uh, I had. This was your first time, right? Um, I think it was my first time all the way through. I okay. think I like started on TBS at some point, and sure. I always got to the part where um douglas or donald is just telling donald people Pleasance? yeah he's like i shot him in the heart and i'd like after that i tuned out <laughs> cut to a commercial and i started watching family guy <laughs> that sounds like you i mean that explains why i had to keep poking you to keep you awake during this one but yeah i i'm a big fan of the slasher genres in general halloween mm-hmm. is the one i got to the latest out of all of them because it's probably my least favorite of like the big ones but yeah i've seen halloween too a couple times before yeah. this do you remember the first time you saw Halloween 2? It would have been on television. Okay. Um, so I am more familiar with the television version than I was with the theatrical version of it. So there's certain things like, oh, why aren't they explaining why the lights have turned out? Uh, why is there only one scene in the, in the mental hospital and it's just a flashback? Because I only saw the we have to fill so much of this with the yeah. backstory version of the movie that I didn't get to see a lot of throat slashing and eyeball gouging that is in the theatrical cut. It just wasn't available to me or as available to me yeah. as when it came on TV. Okay, cool. One thing I forgot to do, read the plot of this movie before sure. we dive into the discussion of it. Make it happen. Picking up precisely where its predecessors left off. Halloween 2 follows the same ill-fated characters as they encounter the knife-wielding maniac they left for dead in the first Halloween. It seems the inhuman Michael Myers is still very much alive and out for more revenge as he stalks the deserted halls of the hospital where his sister lays waiting. Yeah, way to just blow that twist. Okay. As he gets closer and closer to his terrified target, Dr. Loomis discovers the chilling mystery behind the crazed psychopath savage actions. Ooh. Mm. That is one really interesting thing about Halloween 2 is that even though it came out three years after the original, it takes place that same night. Which, first of all, explains Jamie Lee Curtis's terrible wig. Yeah. But we'll get to that. As, as always, we rate uh, scariness one out of five on screams, campiness one out of five on perms, FX or gore, uh, uh, one out of five, whatever it is this time. Hypodermic needles, I'll make it that one. Uh, quality one out of five on lucky stars. Sergio, we'll start with you. This was your first time watching it. What are you rated on scariness? Um, I gave it like a 2.5. Can I do that, uh, Brennan? Um, uh, you can't, but you are. Okay. 2.5 screams. Um, there were a couple jump scares that got me. I mean, they weren't really jump scares at the time, but, you know, just kind of um, what that one scene that I remember is where he's walking with, or the kid is walking with some, I think it's a beatbox, and all of a sudden Michael okay. just appears out of nowhere, like out of the frame. Um, that got me. Just things like that. Yeah. You, what? I, I was going to say, do you know why that part is scarier than some of the others? Because John Carpenter directed it. Oh. <laughs> it, he did direct uh, like uh, a bunch of reshoots, but I didn't know specifically which parts he did. He did that one. Yeah, that's one of the in in Sierra Madre. They they pulled that footage um, oh, okay. by Pasadena. Uh, so yeah, that's why all of a sudden the camera starts to glide a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. The purpose of where people walk and how information is disseminated 
starts to be clearer because he has the ability to do that better than the director, the main director of the film, Rick Rosenthal, who's more of a character guy. He's more of a get characters in a scene and let them work it out sort of director. Yeah. And this requires more of a Swiss watch timing. So, yeah, I would agree with you. For me, it's a real high point, low point thing where I think they're very effective moments. And I think the tension ratchets ratchets up right towards the end. So, yeah, I would put it at a 2.5 for me. I know that doesn't exist, but But it's a real high I had to learn to allow it. Um, (laughs) For me, because I commit to things, I'm giving it a 2 out of 5. I mean, there are some elements of the original Halloween, like you were saying. There is some atmosphere, because Dean Cundy did shoot this film. He's a good cinematographer. Hell yeah. Um, I like the scene in the like in the hot tub therapy pool thing where michael myers had just killed this girl's boyfriend and he like puts his hand on her shoulder and starts well i guess he doesn't massage her it's just there but it kind of is trying to recreate that playful part in the original halloween where he dressed up as linda's boyfriend Mm -hmm. with the sheet and the glasses and she thinks it's her guy buck is that his name bud the par- bud the bud. paramedic guy yes. she's just licking his fingers that's horrifying to me that's two <laughs> points right there like i do not want to know what michael myers hands taste like <laughs> it can't be good because earlier in the scene we see that they are covered with blood so it's got to be like all of a sudden this guy who is in the the hot tub with me has very metallic yeah <laughs> taste to his hands and who knows what he's been up to since then well i mean in uh if we're taking the original halloween into the account because that's part of the same night he strangled a dog earlier that morning (laughs) or that night probably doesn't taste great (laughs) dog esophagus yeah yeah i think that's scaring it like this movie is a slasher movie they're not particularly scary what is the good stuff is campiness so um patrick why don't you start what's your score for campiness all right i i would put this into two camps to be honest with <laughs> okay. you. The hospital portions, I don't believe, are very campy at all. I'd say it's a one out of five. Everything that has outside the hospital with Donald Pleasance is five out of five. <laughs> there is so much scenery to be chewed inside of cars. It's unbelievable. I mean, they just... He must have had a ball doing these movies because he is overacting a storm every time he gets the opportunity everyone around him is just kind of like okay like you just do you donald and every once in a while someone rises to the occasion like when the sheriff well i'll get to that later okay i exactly split down the middle with you i'm giving it three out of five because Mm -hmm. i think in general i get stuff out of everything I think I disagree a little bit because I find a lot of things that are amusing to me in the hospital scenes. Okay. Like, Bud the paramedic is great. Every line he says is the sleaziest thing you've ever heard. The part um, where Jimmy, the the other paramedic, mm-hmm. he comes in on like the boss doctor lady with her blood drained because Michael Myers knows how to put an IV tube in. Mm-hmm. And he just, he full out stooges on her blood. He just slips in it and whams his head and gets knocked out for like 20 minutes. Like, Loomis, obviously, is the most over-the-top thing in the entire movie. There's a scene I love where he's in the car with the nurse, Mm -hmm. uh, Nancy Stevens. And he goes on this whole monologue about Sam Hain, as he calls it, and talking about the druids and all this crap. And she's like, please listen to me. I have something to tell you. I've been trying (laughs) to talk to you for 20 minutes. And he just goes off. No, he's doing a villain's monologue in the middle of this. He's not even the villain. Yeah, it's crazy. He's, He's going full Blofeld. Yes. Yes, he is. What about you, Sergio? Okay, I gave it I gave it two, but I agree with like what you're saying, how there's two separate scenes. Um everything that Donald says is kinda of funny. Um Um one of my favorite scenes when uh was the beginning scene where all of a sudden you see I think it's a Michael Myers walking down the street and then a cop car crashes into him and it just like bursts into flames. As cars do when they crash, just automatically burst into flames on impact. It was the eighties. These things happened. It, that van happened to be filled with gas-filled rags and unused Bic lighters. So Probably. that explains a lot of it. My, my favorite thing about that death is that it's Ben Tramer who dies. That's the kid that Laurie says she had a crush on in the original film. And I think that's so pointlessly nasty to her. And she doesn't even know about it. I just love that moment so much. And it's so over the top. That's my podcast partner, Gina Radcliffe's absolute favorite 
scene in the entire movie. Uh, she ranks it as her favorite Halloween death of all of them. Okay, good. Because Go, it Gina. is so, so unnecessarily uh, mean for no particular reason. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's very inartfully uh, directed uh, because you have this sped up car sequence to hit <laughs> yeah. him and then he gets pinned against the van then it catches on fire and then the sheriff is yelling at donald pleasance is it him is it him like that guy's on fire i don't think you can identify a guy with a mask on who's on fire like i don't know that's not the way michael myers would react to being lit on fire Look, if one person in the world knows the answer to that it's probably donald pleasance <laughs> He seems uh, especially uh, bereft of that particular knowledge in that moment. <laughs> Even he's like, I got nothing, guys. I got <laughs> yeah. nothing. He does look like a svelte 17-year-old, but all right. <laughs> One thing I do enjoy is that they go out of their way to make her even more vulnerable than she would have been in the first movie or any other final girl. She it, she has a, a twisted ankle. She is stabbed in the shoulder. She has broken ribs, we're told. And so every step she takes is painful. Everywhere she goes, she's at one point, she's just crawling. She's yeah. so out of breath from hitting concrete, she can't scream. And it that generally does not make sense. But it makes sense in that circumstance because you get to see her crawl out of a car and hit the concrete yeah. and that go, oh, I know why she can't scream. It's just not I'm frozen in terror. It's all the air has been forced out of my lungs at the worst possible moment. And that tension works. I agree that hospital chase is really cool. And it's the where the lighting and Dean Cundy cinematography actually start working into mm -hmm. full gear with yeah. there's that shot of michael myers under that red emergency light and it's beautiful and haunting i think you had a problem with the level of her drugness right yeah i thought it was kind of inconsistent i don't know if i paid as close attention to it as i should have but i remember in one scene she was like climbing out of um um like the basement right mm -hmm. or she was climbing with pipes and then in the next scene i think it's the car scene where she she can't scream and i was just like okay she could climb out of a basement i feel like she has the ability to scream for help but that was just me and i probably didn't play no don't don't undercut your opinion that's fine <laughs> okay. just because we don't agree with you doesn't mean you're wrong if the if the film did not communicate properly to you the level of where she is at any given point mm -hmm. then i feel like it's not doing its job or it's not doing it so obviously that even if you're half paying attention you should still know the level at which anyone is. This is my problem with Michael Myers, for example. He's shown bleeding from the moment he gets shot six times, maybe one of them in the head from <laughs> Halloween, and he lands and he disappears. Okay, that makes perfect sense for that movie. Because in that movie, he is the boogeyman. He is maybe just death incarnate on, on two legs, He's not really a human. You don't you don't know what he is. And then this film says, no, 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 no. He's human. And you're like, well, why do you have to tell me that? Why why does it make more sense for him to be to, to find blood and be bleeding and then walk around like it, it doesn't affect him at all? Okay, maybe that's scary in a Jason Voorhees sense, but it all it just it seems inconsistent. Whereas if they just kept it consistent of, well, he can just, you don't know why he, he is this way. Don't, don't see blood. Don't see blood until he gets shot in the head. And then yeah. it's really visceral. And that's where you're kind of like, uh, they weren't paying enough attention or they, there was an argument, an active argument as to what he was supposed to be. And it would have been better if they had come to a decision and stuck with it. Well, maybe it runs in the family. Because the whole thing about her, like, because I remember the scene that bothered you the most, Sergio, was the part where she's kind of limping down the hall and just totally in this drug haze, like she's at Woodstock. And then Michael Myers kills the nurse behind her and she just starts tearing off down the hall and down the stairs. Like she suddenly drank an espresso and is like ready to go. Maybe that's just because she does share like a family tie with Michael Myers. So maybe she's just as inconsistent as he is. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot to absorb and to think about like while you're watching a movie like okay she's she's inconsistent because she's tied to him through family relations whatever 
It's not as good as my dual metaphor, so I'll move on. Um, <laughs> let's talk about effects uh, and gore. Uh, Sergio, you start this time. Um, effects? Effects were okay. Like, slashers aren't really known for having a whole lot of effects. Do you really Ex- you With said? the exception of... Ni- okay, I'm not going to say with the exception. Um, no, but like, gore effects. Gore effects? Yeah. Gore mm-hmm. effects. Okay. Like, th- throat slashes, wound wound effects okay well the effects are just like really to me from what i saw not that impressive because you would stab them and then they'll just slowly bleed okay never mind i'm thinking about it (laughs) i gotta show you more movies (laughs) no i'm remembering now okay it was pretty cool and now that you're talking about it like specifically gore effects when like he gets stabbed or she gets stabbed in the eyes i just remember the one thing that was gonna that really stood out to me was when um i think it was the nurse she gets pushed into the hot tub and then her face comes out with all kinds of sores and i thought that was cool but everything else to me fell flat but that's just me. Yeah. I'm. Uh, did you give a number rating? Two. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm giving it three out of five effects because I do kind of agree with you. This movie is much gorier than the original Halloween, but it still feels kind of uh, held back almost. There are, there are a lot of scenes that if they really wanted to commit to like being really bloody, they could have. But I just feel like... Like there are some great sequences, like the the hypodermic in the eye is accomplished really well. Or I guess it's like in her temple or something. Well, it's, you get two. You get one yeah, the, in drunk doctor's eye, and then you get hers. She gets the old ice pick to the temple. Yeah. Segment, uh, which I'm not entirely sure how either of those deaths work in a reality way. But in terms of this is all a nightmare, and I I don't uh-huh. know what how this makes sense. Sense, it's fine. Well, I think slasher characters are like balloons. You just poke them anywhere and they pop. <laughs> because there are so many slashers. Where... Their cars filled with gasoline. Yeah, exactly. In an 80s, uh, action film. Okay. Yeah, like because I've seen so many slashers where someone gets stabbed in the stomach and they die. And it's like, no, you would bleed out over a very long time if you actually got stabbed there. But in slasher, there's like, well, I'm bye. See you later. Right. Um. I do think that hypodermic needle sequence is pretty flawless in terms of how the effects were achieved so i i agree the effects are decent but they're not super outre like they will get later in the 80s i have a question drunk Mm -hmm. drunk doctor who gets hypodermic in the eye yes it looks like he has an apartment like a full apartment set (laughs) in the hospital is that his office or his house i think they're trying to make the impression that that is his office and he just has a super decked out office because he's rich because they go through the whole rigmarole of he's drunk because he drank at the uh, club that night. The oh, you're club. right. So that's where you kind of go, oh, all right, he set up a fiefdom for himself. Yeah, he has a shower in his office. Well, he's on it when you're on for extended periods of time. And there's a surgery suite in that hospital. That hospital is insane for a small town hospital. With two patients and four babies inside. Yeah. It's a lot of hospital. Like, I can't imagine how much a deductible for visiting the ER there is. Oh, considering dear Lord. The, the amount of, you know, the, the amount of staff they have to pay for to keep the lights on, which apparently... It's pay- not really an issue for them. <laughs> well, not that night, at least. Uh, I, I would agree with you. I would put the uh, effect, the gore, at a three of five. Because the things it does well, it does very well. It uh, pulls back from the, hey, let's strangle everyone yeah of the first one the the advantage of the let's strangle everyone in the first one is it's never easy to and i i'm sorry <laughs> if anyone listens to this because why does this guy know this <laughs> it's not easy to strangle somebody what uh rope um uh, with i believe the alfred, hitchcock movie? alfred hitchcock movie shows you how difficult it is to actually choke someone hush is another example. That's a, that's a good movie. Where a person is, they're trying to choke the life out of someone and it takes forever because guess what? Your neck is built in such a way that it's difficult. If you're not at the right angle, it takes a way too much time. So <laughs> It's inefficient. It's inefficient. So in that film, he's not quite superhuman unless he lifts someone on the blade of a knife and pins them to a wall mm-hmm. or dives off the second floor of a house and gets up. Whereas in here, he's primarily superhuman throughout. He just, he's gone Super Saiyan now, <laughs> and you get this version of Michael Myers from here on out. Mm-hmm. He's not quite as delicate. And they wanted to make it juicier, and it sort of comes out at the sweet spot of the MPAA not quite being as harsh 
on slashers quite yet mm-hmm. and so you get some you get some good effects but they're they're riding the line because some people some producers want it to be subtle some of the universal wants it to be gorier and no one can decide what it should be and that's why it's kind of a muddle mm-hmm. just to add one more thing onto that sure what's your favorite death out of all of them you said you had one like very firmly in mind from the beginning. Yeah, of the I, mine has always been Nurse Jill. Okay, who gets stabbed through the spine and lifted off the ground, and then her shoes fall to the ground to let you know she's really dead because otherwise your shoes would still be on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the level of subtlety that Halloween Two has. That is a very kind of Italian touch, like because a lot of the Giallo movies had things like that, mm-hmm. like a. Not to get all like classical or whatever, but in Mario Bava's Bay of Blood, there's this lady in a wheelchair who gets hung, and her wheelchair wheel stops spinning exactly as she stops breathing. Exactly. Like it's just kind of like those indications as like here it is. It's operatic. Yeah. Um, and I agree. It seems like everyone in 1981 is stealing liberally from Bay of Blood. Oh, 100 percent. Friday too, like so much of it beyond just the sad sandwich spear death of the particular fuck couple in that yeah. in that movie uh every other death is ripped whole cloth from bay of blood so obviously it was going around people were just like no one's ever going to see this movie what's home video yeah, just had grab, a it, grab it grab it grab it of it or something yeah. it, it it must have screened or everyone was talking about it or if you were going to make a slasher this was the thing like no one's going out to go see a Baba <laughs> yeah. movie. Like, take from that. Nurse Jill was your favorite mm-hmm. death. Yes. Uh, my favorite death would probably be, I think her name was Dr. Alice. She wasn't really a big character. Um, she was the one who got drained of blood on... Uh, I think she's the head nurse. She's yeah. the head nurse. Yeah. Oh, shoot. No, head nurse right. Alice. Uh, uh, listen, you didn't dissuade her of her authority. She's probably... No smarter than that doctor by a million percent she's obviously uh, yeah, she the one was sober running that yeah a she's sober which you'll like in a medical professional mm-hmm. b she doesn't really placate uh, a random emt who's pulling a how do you talk to a girl with her headphones on in this case <laughs> how do you talk to a girl who's been drugged after she's been almost knifed to death you get her a her, coke uh, yeah bring, i'm gonna bring you a coke i'm gonna gently like stroke your hand and yeah, i'm gonna that tell was you creepy that as hell yeah <laughs> it's so gross like and lance guest he's being he's doing what he's being asked to do but you look at it now you're like that's gross, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. Step off. Like, Wait a day or two until she's out of her stupor to make your play. Yeah, and she's his brother's age. Like, He doesn't know her from school. He's like, my brother knows her from school. Like, So this girl is probably like two to three years younger than him, and he's here just stroking the palm of her hand. That's yeah, weird, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah uh, head nurse Dr. Alice lady, mm-hmm. whoever she is, Michael Myers went to pre-med, apparently, as a child, because he hooks up an IV to her and just drains her of her blood on this uh, like surgical table thing. And I think that's a very... I mean, the blood is obviously poster paint, but mm-hmm. I think that's a very beautiful death, and that's one that I wish hadn't been used so I could steal it for something else. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's very Grand Grunel. Definitely. Sure. And one thing I forgot to mention mm-hmm. um, in my gore score, one of the best gore moments in is this totally pointless, really nasty part about a kid who has like had a razor blade in his apple and his mouth is bleeding and his mom brings him to the hospital. Has that ever happened in the history of ever? And also, if you get apples for Halloween, what kid goes for that first? I don't know. This is really plain. And I can, I, I this is one piece of knowledge that I can... Uh, confirm is that this was a constant fear this was the moment in time where schools started to advertise that you could bring candy to the school or to the hospital and have it x-rayed because oh, it was the belief really? that well, this like was happening on to like the 90s um like that was a fear every halloween like be careful with your candy because it's gonna have razor blades or something in it that's crazy maybe i had more permissive parents <laughs> <laughs> very much an urban legend yeah sort of feel but that's what I like about this movie is it's kind of nasty. It's going for the jugular in more ways than one. And I wish it had pursued that 
to the nth degree rather than vacillating back and forth. There are moments in this that feel as dark as anything in John Carpenter's Apocalypse Suite. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't have the guts to sustain it for very long. It doesn't it doesn't want to grind your face in it, but it wants to tease it and that that uh, that kid with the razor blade in his mouth it's is just so... gross. It's beautifully gross, and it's unsettling. It's like in The Exorcist when they give Reagan uh, a spinal tap. Oh, that scene. That's what, when people talk about walking out of The Exorcist, what they don't tell you is the vast majority of them walked out during the spinal tap scene because it's so bloody and so unnerving to watch a parent stand outside of a glass and see that you can't do anything about your kid it unnerved people to no end and the rest of the movie plays off of that initial i'm helpless this is wrong i shouldn't be seeing this Mm -hmm. energy and that i think is trying to glide off of that sort of visual metaphor and speaking of nastiness sergio what's your favorite death um i'm going for the cheap shot here and it's um that dude Ben Tramer. Ben Tramer's death. <laughs> that dude. <laughs> um, he knows. He understands what I'm saying. I'm, I'm in charge of the details. Okay. He has the general thing. Right. General sense. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing funner than just going for a walk and then being hit by a car and then hit, and hit another car and then just explode in the process. We do learn that he's drunk. And I don't quite understand. I guess I guess his, his flight from the police in that moment is... I'm underage and I don't want to be caught being drunk. Mm -hmm. Then there's the question of why there are so many of those white uh, Captain Kirk masks in that town. (laughs) Michael did steal it from a hardware store in town, so he probably just got it at the same place. There's no reason, but he's wearing the exact same. He's wearing the same outfit too. Like, oh, these two things pair together beautifully. Yeah, that is what everyone thinks. That's not what I have. What I would have jumped to with that, (laughs) but. Whatever, it works. It's such a great death. I'm willing to believe anything about this character. I wish I had seen his face ever. Actually, you know what? I don't. I like him as this like mysterious name that we only know as Ben Tramer. And we know that he's cute and Laurie likes him and he gets to die. And that yeah. me ha- that's ah, mean. makes me so happy. Straight up me. Let's synthesize all of this and go to our quality score. I think we'll start with you, Sergio, because again, this was your first time watching this movie. How do you like it? Um... I gave it a four, and my Whoa, one, great. and my one note was I enjoyed it overall. I'm glad you took thorough notes. <laughs> it was suspenseful. I agree, it was suspenseful. Um, but I can't say much beyond that. Okay. Um, well, Brennan, tell me why I was filled with suspense. Well, I think I, I gave it three out of five. I think it's an interesting continuation of the original Halloween. Um, it's obviously not as good for many reasons, but there's that nasty edge to it. It's fun to watch. It's much more of a uh, typical slasher film because, like, this was the 80s. Friday the 13th had already come out. There was that formula had been set into place. And so they were just kind of tacking him onto it instead of creating their own original thing now. But I think as an example of the slasher genre, it's a very, very solid one. Like, it's fun. They had money. It's pretty. Dean Cundy shot it. I enjoyed it. It's not the best movie. The script is just a shambles. But I like it. Yeah. I would agree. I think this script is a shambles because they they kicked it out so fast. Like they're in the middle of doing other things, and then you have a producer, director, and producer writer who break up in the middle of this process, but still have a professional relationship. And they're supposed to knock. That's the one thing about Halloween that really pulls it together is that those girls sound like teenage girls. Like there's an element of reality to it. In that very moment, they don't sound cardboard. It doesn't sound like an old guy is trying to make youth, uh, trying to sound like someone he isn't. And it gets you into their headspace. One of the podcasts, uh, Loose Cannon, was talking about Scream, but the guest had brought up how the girls in Halloween talk like teenage girls. And you can sort of get the idea that while they're friends, they also don't like one another. Oh, yeah. they're Especially Annie. She's awful to Lori. Yes. And just picks away at it. And that insight into those characters gives you the a, a real-life dynamic that makes the extraordinary that happens later on seem more realistic. You've been grounded, and now things get elevated. 
the issue we have here is that we've started off with a man dropping out of a second story window after being shot six times mm-hmm. and walking away. And he leaves a wily e. coyote impression, impression in, the grass. in the grass. Well, you know, you hit the grass all in one spoof. You're <laughs> yeah. gonna, it does, quote unquote, leave a mark. But that being said, there's enough uh, of class and it's, it's shot well. And for the most part, the performances are reasonably winning. You dislike the person you're supposed to dislike. You like the people you're supposed to like. Unfortunately, there's a little creepiness with Lance Guest's yeah. character, but I, that's not his fault. Like the, he's just he's being he's being given a shitty role, and he tries to make the most of it. And luckily, I, he's I think very works, pretty to yeah. look at. So you got that. Like, all right, here's Lance Guest, the best he's ever looked. All right, I'll take it. Yeah, he's super cute with that hair. Uh, so oh, I would the... I would give it a, a a solid three out of five because I I very much enjoy the cat and mouse at the end. Yeah, absolutely. It's that not is as the... good as the first one, but there is a level of dread and a nightmare logic to it, and it's reasonably well paced. And then when they do put Loomis and Laurie in the same place at the same time, they're both looking at one another like the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) Like, didn't I just leave you in the same situation? And that firewalk at the end. Oh yeah. Is one of the best stunts in any horror movie outside of like the stunts in uh, Friday the 13th part four, which are just so visceral and so great. This, I think you can see where Chuck Zito, uh, Chuck Chuck Zito, Chuck Zito, uh, uh, who directed uh, The Prowler and Joseph and Zito? I think Joseph was his Zito. Name. Pardon me. Um, you can see where he starts to pull from something like Halloween Two, mm-hmm. where he's like, "Oh, that's what a slasher movie needs: good stunts." <laughs> yeah. Because good stunts are relatively cheap, but super visceral. And that fire sequence is like also it it pulls from John Carpenter's past where you can totally see him pulling that image from the original version of the thing and going, Oh yeah. Oh, let's recreate that. And, uh, it was so good. He's like, Oh, let's do that again for my version of the thing, which I'm prepping at this very, very second. Mm-hmm. And so he improves upon that, which is hard to do. Cause that firewalk is brilliant. I agree. It was really interesting. I mean, I do like, in any fire sequence, every character gains like 20 pounds after they catch fire because of the flame retardant suit. But you're right. It's really, really good. Yeah. I think one thing I want to add to the conversation before we leave the general discussion is there's one part that really got me in this script because I was going to add this to my campiness score. There's a scene very early on where uh, the deputy or whoever is helping out Dr. Loomis offers him a cigarette. And Dr. Loomis just kind of absentmindedly takes a cigarette because he's worrying about what's going on, about the corpses coming out of the house. And then the guy hands him a lighter, and he just takes it and pockets it. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? That's not what you do to another human being. (laughs) But then, later on, that's the lighter he uses to light the explosion at the end of the movie. And I was like... Did they? How did they plan that out? It's this dumbest, weirdest scene, but it actually tied into the end. And I was like, this kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, well, that that gives you an element of, oh, they really did plan this out a little bit better than you might give it credit. I, I For example, I read Roger Ebert's uh, review of it. And it <laughs> never kind to any slasher film. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a genre film that he enjoyed, and that's fine. Not everyone needs to like everything. But his main complaint was that it runs only on the idiot plot. That everyone has to be an idiot. I disagree with this 1,000%. While the the sheriff's department continually look for this guy. They're always on the lookout for this guy. They never stop. And even when it's obvious that they should stop because a guy in a William Shatner mask just got pinned between a sheriff's vehicle and a van that's on fire they're like now keep keep looking the hospital meanwhile they're not under and this is not a common occurrence where a stabbing victim comes in they're like all right let's double security because the person who stabbed that woman probably is going to come back for another try yeah this is not dependent upon stupid people being stupid they're canvassing the area the hospital is acting like a hospital 
while the lights go out, there depend the the period of time where once the light goes out and then you know <laughs> shit starts to go completely sideways is about twenty to twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. It feels longer in movie time, but it isn't all that much longer. If it was longer, the sun would come up. Yeah. It's still the same night as the first movie. So I feel like he just kind of wanted to hate on it to hate on it. It wasn't his thing. That was his job. It, that was his job. Uh, and there's plenty that you could disagree about in this movie. And we've all pointed them out. But I don't believe that it it runs simply because stupid people be stupid. Mm-hmm. And okay. I know stupid people. Stupid people be stupid movies because I watched them repeatedly for my podcast. Yeah, were you were you happy to get a break from Friday the Thirteenth Part Three this yeah. week? Um, yeah, I I for, for, Part Three has really been difficult. I I thought Part Two was going to drive me insane at a certain point, but I found my opinion of Part Three continue to go down oh. and down and down and. It's because everyone's stupid as hell throughout the movie, and it's unnecessarily stupid. And then it goes out of its way for a 3D movie to constantly show guys shitting. Yeah. Like, that, that's here's a weird... thing that I, I can't wait to see on a screen that pops out at me. Dudes pooping. Like, <laughs> that is not something you would automatically go to in terms of 3D entertainment. And it constantly squanders the goodwill of the audience throughout. It's not to say it doesn't have its good points, mm-hmm. but compared to part four, when you watch them back to back, you're like, oh, thank God, I'm in the hands <laughs> of someone who knows what they're doing. And then part five, there's more poop seeds. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, I I will be driven insane by part five. I'm I have so a sad. feeling that I will go crazy watching that movie. Well, do you watch the whole movie every week or do you just watch the parts with that particular character? I try to watch the whole thing once to get an assemblance uh-huh. of the plot. And then before that particular week's episode or recording, I will watch those characters up okay. until the point they die. But you'll find that I I'm then go back to the beginning because I need to know what... So, now I'm watching a different character and I want to look for all the weirdness that they have and you end up watching it 13 times. Yeah. And you're like, I don't like any of these people <laughs> by the end of it. And uh, that's, uh, it might be ruining Friday the 13th, or it might be crystallizing where I could just move on and never have to deal with it again in my life. I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. That might not be as much of a problem in part five because new characters get introduced for one scene and then they die. So maybe you'll just get like five minute chunks every week. That's true. And it's like you're watching a whole movie in a row. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, one more thing we do when we're reviewing a movie is we pick our favorite line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have one prepared? I think I may have already blown it because it's, okay. is it him? Is it him to, from, from uh, the sheriff oh, to Loomis yeah. uh, about a burning body? Like him? Identify this burning body is not something that most medical professionals are prepared to do at the scene of a crime when it's just happened. And he's a psychiatrist. He's not a... And not a good one. Also, he's he's repeatedly, and I'm not making this observation of my own. It just happened to come up in in We Hate Movies this week when they they watched part six. But Loomis is at best like a, a... B, C grade monster hunter, and he's a horrible psychiatrist because he constantly calls Michael Myers evil. That's his diagnosis. Yeah, evil. You're evil. That, like I don't think that's clinical. Just like no evil. Evil's the explanation. Like I want to hear from his other patients, <laughs> like how they feel about him. Yeah, one has to wonder if he has other patients. Why does the governor also know who he is? Like, shut down that monster hunter and bring <laughs> him to me. No, oh my God. Why does the governor know who he is? Mm, unless he's also the governor's psychiatrist, I think there's a problem. I mean, Illinois governors might need that. That's true. We need more of them. 
But uh, anyway, uh, my champion dialogue is from Bud the Paramedic, who mm-hmm. I I kind of unabashedly love. Like he's a terrible human being, but he's a fun character to watch. It's he's sitting in the break room, I think, watching TV, and he sings this alternate version of Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. And it's just the ugliest, stupidest reworking of that song I'd ever heard. And I don't know, it just always cracks me up. Maybe I'm 12. I, I might remind everyone that Bud is the person who drives an ambulance and smokes an entire joint while in that break room. Like, it's <laughs> Halloween night. You are probably going to get called out for another call. Don't smoke an entire joint by yourself before driving to the scene of another crime. Sergio, what's your champion dialogue? Um, my champion dialogue occurred pretty uh, pretty early on in the movie. It's uh, when Michael's going through kind of just familiarizing himself with the neighborhood. And uh, like an old woman is being killed, right? Uh, no, she's making a ham sandwich for her husband who's mm-hmm. watching Night of the Living Dead, which is the cheapest movie to have people watching your movie. Right. And he steals the knife from her. And she, and she screams. She sees that there's blood on the cutting board. And she screams. Okay. She screams is what happens. And um, <laughs> big picture is what Sergio works with. <laughs> and then the girl next door who's on the phone with her friend, um, who she probably hates. Probably. She is played by Nancy Kais, who played Annie in the original movie, the girl on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, Oh, she's screaming. It's like, oh, she's probably just being beaten by her husband, and that's why she's screaming. Yeah. It's a like, she's always egging him on, and then he probably had enough and hit her. Is the conclusion that she comes to <laughs> Calmly. for a larf. Like, <laughs> I live next door to the Bickersons, and they're beating the hell out of one another. Anyways, I'll be over soon. Or, <laughs> yeah. pl- please come over and enjoy the domestic violence I live adjacent to. Uh, the other thing that I like about that sequence is you get to see South Pasadena at its most overwatered. Like, <laughs> there's one thing that maybe people who don't live in California or the United States might not know, but California is brown because we live in a watered desert. And at that point, South Pasadena just watered. Like, there was no restrictions uh. at all. So it's just green, 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 green everywhere you go. And if you see it now, you're like, this doesn't seem very lush at all. Well, hey, we don't have no water anymore. <laughs> That's a good point. I always worry about that because there's um there's that scene where doc the head doctor the drunk guy mm-hmm. um he gets killed and the shower is running in his house and I, anytime I see that in a movie now I'm like please just turn that off <laughs> we're in a drought it's fine <laughs> but um anyway. There's something that you do on your podcast, Kill mm-hmm. by Kill. It's at the end of every episode, you do a Would You Rather. Yes. And I have stolen that from you. Okay. So we're going to play that here. Sure. To remind people to listen to your podcast. So, would you rather, I'm, at, I'm putting this to the whole table, would you, ra- would you rather get hit by a car, run into a van, and explode? Would you rather have all the blood drained out of you? Or would you rather be stabbed in the spine with a scalpel and have your clogs fall off? Uh, do, does anyone have an answer right off the top of their head? It's a okay. tough one because generally the the play that Gina always goes for is what is the quickest death. And I think in some ways uh, the burning van death might be the quickest, but you also get the feeling he's squirming like a bug on a pin during that. Yeah, and burning seems yeah. really painful. It's not my favorite. I have to assume then maybe spinal column because your spinal column doesn't have a, a ton of nerves and she seems to go pretty fast. So I'm going to go with Nurse Jill. I think I'm going to have to agree with you. And also because I wear Converse, so my shoes won't fall off, which would be embarrassing. Now, under this circumstance, you have to abide by the rules. Okay, the okay, okay. okay. Con- you will be found shoeless. Okay. So anything you got going on down south will be revealed. You know, I, I wash my feet every morning. I feel I feel okay about that. Every them. morning? Well, I mean, like, when I take a shower. Okay. I'm a morning shower. Well, we person. learned we something to today. If you're, if, if you're looking for someone with clean feet, we know we know someone who's got that. I, okay. pr- I pride myself. But, um, yeah, I just think having the blood drained out of you, you'd get woozy, and that would be kind of fun, but it would take so long, and I don't think I could handle that. Yeah, one has to wonder if maybe she was knocked 
out for the, we don't know the mechanics of how it occurred. Yeah, maybe she we just know that she's strapped to a table and tilted, and the, the, he's been able to find a vein. Yeah, maybe she borrowed some of the doctor's rum or something, and she just had a nice peaceful ride out. You know, she is very diligent about her uh, her staff and that hospital. I That's don't believe point. it for a second. Oh. I, I think she'd have to be incapacitated in some manner, otherwise she would still be walking the floors. She might the most still be in- as a ghost. She's the most intimidating character in the entire movie, and she has to be taken out for everything else to take place, because otherwise she would kick Michael Myers' ass. I wholeheartedly believe that. That's a good point. Sergio. Okay, what I'm going to do. Um, I'm just going to piggyback on what I've been talking about this entire time, and that's the flame death. I think it's probably the best death. It probably had the biggest effects, in my opinion. Um, and I just, yeah. So you're going for Vanglorious. Yeah, yes. Like you want a cool obituary. I want people to talk about me like years from now, like okay. that. Like, oh, that's the guy that was burned to death after. <laughs> and and you don't want <laughs> so you don't want your good works talked about, or you know that that I'm he... realistic here. Okay, <laughs> we, we live in America. People like talking about death. They're gonna remember you for how you died. All right. And they're not. They're just gonna ignore the two shoeless corpses in the corner, which is us. All right. I think that just about uh, reaches the end of our discussion. Uh, Patrick, where can people find you on Twitter, or social media, or your podcast? Well, uh, the podcast Kill by Kill is available wherever podcasts are downloadable, uh, and uh, you can find us on Twitter at Kill by Kill Pod. I, I follow them, and you should also follow them. We'll share that Twitter. I mean, we'll share the account information on our Twitter after this episode goes out, which is on Halloween. Excellent. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really fun to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Uh, great. No problem. Sergio, any last words for our humble audience? This has been a great time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to say. It's like, what can I liken this to? Um, it's just like, you know, that kid who got lost on his way to class and he went into the wrong lecture hall, and he's seeing two professors talk about a subject <laughs> that he knows absolutely nothing about. If that situation has ever happened to you, this is what this has been like for me. And it's been fun. Well, thanks for joining us. If you're being tested naked at the end of that, then it's a very different dream. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I'm fully closed, so I'm good. All right. All right. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right. Thank you again so much to Patrick Hamilton for joining us. It was we are honored truly yeah. like you were he's very generous with his time and he actually watched halloween 2 for us which is uh just like i'm very honored you went out of his way he watches a lot of horror movies uh-huh. i think every day or every week probably not every day probably every week uh well their their podcast comes out every two weeks but for october it's every week okay october special so he managed to fit us in and that was a really cool thing and just hearing him speak today it was pretty pretty enthralling for a novice such as myself he's a very smart very intimidating man yes he is for someone who is just a wee a wee sheep (laughs) in the grand flock of life no but that's why you're on this podcast because your perspective is so important because like i'm so mired in this horror crap and i'm like patrick where like everything i know and talk about is horror movies and you actually know and talk about other things you have other Mm -hmm. interests i can talk to you about to the lighthouse people it is the well. People think it's the magnus opus of Magnum. Aww, magnum opus two for <laughs> um, Virginia Woolf, but I don't know because I've only read that one book. So look at me knowing stuff. I'm so I want to read Mrs. Dalloway, which is another book by Virginia Woolf, and there's also Orlando, which is another book by Virginia Woolf. Virginia Woolf was born in England somewhere. Or maybe Scotland. Are you looking it up? What are you doing? I'm looking it up. I'm Googling it. I feel like you're videotaping me. I don't know what you're talking about. Just the about. way you're... <laughs> I just love... You, you have your hand on your hip and you're just so proud. Because I'm talking to you about Virginia Woolf. Did you remember... Did you... <laughs> you remember that, that quote I sent you where she hated Jane Austen? That was a great quote. Yes, it was. Because Virginia Woolf doesn't get along with others. Some might say she's anti-feminist. Uh-huh. I don't know who those people are. Okay, but I'm sure I don't like um, them. We're wasting Virginia time Wolf again. We're wasting time again. Uh, Patrick was great. Thank you so much. If you want to find us on Twitter or just the world in general, um, on Twitter we're at Scream One Hundred One Pod. On Facebook we're Scream One Hundred One Podcast. You can email us at Scream One Hundred One Podcast at gmail dot com. As several of you learned this week, people yes. actually sent in stuff, which was great. Thank you so much. By the way, yeah, I really appreciate it. You guys are the best. Thank you, Tristan, for always being there. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you, Brenna. It was cool to actually hear your voice because I've never met you in person because you're like across the entire country. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Brenna, for listening to us and, and loving our banter. Yeah, even though Brenna hates Duel, I'm not sure why. We should have her on the podcast to explain why. We should, like a little bonus episode. Yeah. Though. A little Brenna bonus episode. <laughs> little tiny, so it fits her. Little tiny. So tiny. Okay. Um, so small. Find us on iTunes. You can subscribe, rate, and review us. Give us five Review. Stars. I am so pissed. I don't mean pissed. I, that's really terrible to say. Um, I'm a little... What, what's the word that's... He's not mad. He's disappointed. I'm not disappointed. I'm well, I'm, upset. I was just being a parent. I'm upset. Well, I wish someone would send me some some reviews. I just want to buy people ice cream, okay? Like, just yeah. to say that I did. Sergio wants to be so nice to all of you, and no one's reviewing our show. Well, like a $5 gift certificate. Just, just that. Mm-hmm. Or ice cream. And I want to make a meme out of it. Okay. Should I tell them what next month's theme is, or should our episode tomorrow tell them? Um, I mean, you can give them a sneak peek. Sneak peek, sneak peek. Give them a hint. Okay. It has to do with one of our listeners' favorite films, as stated in yesterday's episode. Okay, that's cool. Yeah? Yeah, it's got me guessing. Okay, cool. That That's oh, it? I, I miss your clues that you guys used to do. Yeah, I just didn't... I, I just, well, only because they were so weird. Yeah, they were really hard to do. <laughs> Like the cheese one, remember? I'm just always interested in that cheese that, one. That was Shannon's clue. Don't blame me for that one. She's like, Argento rhymes with cheese. Or wait, no, it wasn't Argento. It was the Babadook. Uh-huh. That is a slant rhyme at best uh-huh. with Tillamook. That is insane. I'm sorry, Shannon. You're probably not listening to this because you have actively not watched the other Halloween movies. <laughs> I take no credit for that. I was not involved in that. I did some terrible clues, but none like that. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you all have a happy, happy Halloween. Take care. Drive safe. Don't eat any apples with razor blades. Yeah, good luck on your journey. And stay gold. Um, and... That's disgusting. Can you hear it? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, please stop. And technically, ho- please stop. Please stop. Okay. Hello, I'm Patrick. Um, <laughs> no, this is Patrick. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like the movies. I think they're great. I think they have staying power. Um, I know it's a relatively new art form in the grand history of the world. It really is. But, you know, talking pictures... Maybe one day they'll add color. That would be nice. I mean, like, in terms of the casting. <laughs> Get closer. <laughs> Get just we'll just grab snuggle. This. Okay, yeah. snuggle. All right. It's very simple. Right. Cheek to cheek. We're Podcasting cheek to cheek right tradition, here. when someone shares a mic, you either sit on their lap or hold hands <laughs> or, or, or float like otters do in that very cute way where they hold paws. Yeah. It's a good first date technique. Just invite them onto the podcast. That's right. right. Um, did you have something to add for Camus? No, I'm good. Yo. Hello. Oh, hi, Nigel. No one hears a bunch of thumping. That's my dog's tail. I like his bow tie. Yeah, he's very dapper. Is that for Halloween or just in general? He's a very natty dresser. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Um. This episode was brought to you by Cupholder Radio. You can find more episodes of this show and others at cupholderradio.com or wherever podcasts are sold. Get out. The podcast is coming from inside the house. Hello there. I'm Uncle Ponyboy. Do you like suspense? Don't go in there. Buckets of blood and human excrement? Gratuitous nudity with more boobies than you can handle? And radical hairstyles? Oh, yeah! Then you should check out the Gore Gab Podcast, hosted by yours truly and DJ Gill. You can find us on the iTunes Podcast Store and on Twitter at Gore Gab Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and go check out cupholderradio.com. It's podcast for the weird at heart.